0: Good morning. On this episode of The Drive-In, we're going to talk about a couple things. Customer service, which is one of my favorites, and also silencers, the industry, where it was when I got in it, where we are now, where it's going, what's been good, what's not going so good, uh, what I think the future is going to hold, and probably some other things that I've forgotten. So Hang in there. Take a listen. Good morning. It's the drive-in. So, this is Kevin. I work at Q. So, this morning, um, it's the freaking Christmas season. So, customer service. I don't know. What would Santa Claus do? Uh, Customer service is, is, to me, a difficult one and a very easy one. The difficulty is that the customer is always right bullshit is completely wrong, and I do not adhere to that. The customer is, in fact, often very wrong. Um, doesn't matter to me. Don't really give a shit. Uh, what we try to do internally in the culture we try to create, you know, and this is separate from, like, uh, you know, the internet hawkers and... Uh, you you know, kind of wannabes and haters and the anonymous memers and, you know, just that kind of stuff that doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it's interesting because they can create the illusion because I fancy myself as someone that's decent at marketing Um, and we market on truth. But, you know, the the memers and the anonymous little fellas that, you know, still live in their mom's basement, do things. Um, you know, they're not governed by the same standards, so it's a little different. And, and I think it's like funny and entertaining. So, um, doesn't really bother me, but I don't like when it perpetuates lies about the industry or something with the company that, you know, could potentially hurt the company and the families that, that it supports, um, and the customers that we support. So stuff goes wrong in manufacturing. Um, but we've eliminated a lot of design stuff, but stuff also goes wrong in design. Um, and we make it, I think a greater effort in design and we put our money where, you know, proverbial mouth is and, um, with employing, you know, per capita, we have more engineers than any company in our industry. Uh, And we focus a lot on design and we don't like putting stuff out there for the customers to do a lot of R&D on Um, Which it happens with all companies with every product because you can't possibly test for everything Um, Aerospace gets brought up a lot and I think you know There's some lessons to be learned there and there's also a lot of stuff that just you know does not apply to our industry Mm -hmm or our products Um, in some cases yes but oftentimes we have to make a decision for the customer and i view these things as what would i want or you know our engineering team what do we want collectively um, as a product and what is acceptable to us and that's not always going to be acceptable to everyone else and i think that's okay Um, I, i don't want and don't care to sell to every person it's not my goal my goal is not to be the largest firearms company in the world Um, that just doesn't intrigue me. I I think someone like uh, Ron Cohen at SIG, who's a smart guy, and he's really into operations, and he is really about money. Money drives him, and you know, and he's a foreigner. I don't think he gives a shit about you, you know. He doesn't understand our culture to the degree that most of us would, especially the gun culture, and doesn't give a shit about the average American who's buying a gun. Uh, and I say that liking Ron Cohen. Um, me knowing him, those are the facts from the way I see it. So they're willing to do things that I'm not willing to do. And Ron's quest to become a billion-dollar company, the largest gun company, and sell it for the owners and make a lot of money. Um, you know, I've worked for some of these big companies. I like aspects of it, and I also don't. The main thing I don't like is the R-driven exclusively by money and with a company that big you have so many mediocre people it is hard to do anything exceptional <clears throat> and six having some success with some great products recently and that's great but they also have a, a track history uh, just recent of you know the xi the mcx the 320 the 365 you know putting the products out there knowing their problems and the it, They have more of an acceptable risk than I think I do and I'm comfortable with. Um, You know, I also put myself out there so we're subject to a lot of of scrutiny and that's fine too, I hold us to a higher standard. Um, The customer is not always right, but we are going to try to do the right thing. Um, You know, I own my own business and have most of my life because I don't want to tolerate a bunch of nonsense. And um, if you have a problem with one of our products, anyone that has had a problem with a Q product contacts us, uh, goes to the RMA process. We go above and beyond every single time. And we always will. And that's not trying to use it for marketing or trying to make friends. It just seems like the right thing to do. However if you have a problem with a product and you send it to our competitors and you post it online and you send an email at 10 o'clock at night and then 6 a.m. the next day you're posting on social media something that's messed up and saying, you know, maybe these fucking douchebags will call me back now. Well, you can fuck yourself and we will take care of you. And most likely that means a full refund but we don't ever want your business. You're not somebody we want to deal with. You're not somebody we want to hang out with, go shoot with, drink a beer with, or sell product to. So you can go somewhere else and buy your products and that's perfectly okay. Matter of fact, it's more than perfectly okay. It's what I demand for our company. Um, You know, those are the way I view those things. You know, you can get so far, I think in life probably, but definitely with Cuba, just being cool about stuff. If stuff happens, whether it's our fault or your fault, it doesn't cost me a ton to take care of you. But if you try to cost me or our company by going to social media, posting half a story, posting lies, you know, that you've sent all these emails and you're not being contacted. Well, I hold my people accountable every single time that happens. 99% of the time when that happens, Whoever's posting this on social media, they are lying. And there is an email history of it because I will fire people at Q for not responding. Like, that, if that's your job, you better do your job. And, um, you know, every part of our company is critical. And anybody that's not doing their job, whether it's engineering, accounting, shipping, receiving, customer service, quality control, you better do a good job. Like we don't have room for mediocre people at Q, you better be exceptional. And I feel that, well, I know that our customer service is that, I mean, I'll I'll tell you, and and I'll tell you the relationship that I have with the guys in customer service, I'll tell you an example. There was a, a dude who bought a fix, he bought a thunder chicken he had uh, a Night Force or Swarovski, a very expensive scope on his gun. He had a bipod, like a Geisley mount. It is a beautiful fixed rifle, set up perfectly. My man takes it on a hunt. First time out, kills a deer with it. So excited, so happy. Loves his rifle. Sends us a picture saying how great it is, blah, blah, blah. My man's packing up for the day, leans a rifle up against his truck, forgets about it, drives off, gets like eight miles down the road. It's like, oh my God, I didn't put my rifle in the truck. So, well, I'm telling my version of this story, so it's going to be like, pretty accurate. Um, goes back. He had run over it with his big ass three quarter ton truck, his trailer, (laughs) um, the scope is squished. The rifle, the entire rifle is bent. Um, and it was on a uh, hard surface. So the silencer is messed up. Um, everything. The rifle is trash. He's broken hearted, of course. You know, and he had a setup that was probably eight or $9,000. And... He wanted a a replacement, of course. Totally told us the real story, owned it. Didn't threaten us with any social media. And so I hear about this through my guys. They come to me and they tell me what happened. They say, hey, we want to give this guy a new gun. Knowing that basically they're asking me to give this guy thousands of dollars for the dumbass mistake that any of us could make. And... um. You know, I said, sure. And they knew they could come to me, and if it seemed like the right thing to do with these guys. And I said, sure. And so the guy could not believe it. He just didn't want to wait a year to get a gun. He wasn't even asking for anything free. And uh, they built him a new gun, sent it to him. The guy was in shock. And we just wanted to save the gun because it's kind of cool, too. You know, like this thing got ran over and it's all warped you know it looks like a the letter c um and he's like please use it for marketing blah 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 and you know and my guys were like no it's it's cool we're probably going to hang it up at some point in in the office or whatever but we're not doing it so you go on and be a spokesperson for q and customer service and you know this happened a little while back and um, you know, and to me, when I think of our customer service, that's what I think of. Um, and that's how we'll treat you. You know, we had an instance where, um, you know, we've shipped tens of thousands of rifle silencers at this point. And we had one shift, which was about 40 silencers, where, and, and I post this online recently. Um, and we were unaware until we had a failure with a customer. Um, you know, and this has happened over a year ago. That's why people are getting the silencers from their form fours now, but where the blast baffle, the program was inadvertently changed and gave minimal penetration. And so the cores come off in firing and it sucks. It's like the worst, um, you know, and to me, I just hate it for the customer because they go through all this. They have a failure with a product. You know, and it's not like um, you know they're buying a bipod and we can just send them another one. So they have to send it back and we either rebuild it or replace it or refund them, like whatever they want. Um, you know, unfortunately with the being tubeless and the serial number on the, the mount, we're able to just properly weld a core on them. Um, and that really, really sucks. But we take care of people. And if they're cool about it, we generally go above and beyond. You know, there's been people that were super, super cool and they end up getting something else. You know, a 22 silencer or something. Um, And there are people who are understandably pissed off and disappointed and I would be as well. Um, You know, and they react by posting stuff online and doing all this. That is not inspiring me to go above and beyond. I mean, we're still going to take care of you. You're going to get your product replaced, repaired, or refunded. Um, no matter how big of an asshole you are. And I can assure you nobody feels worse about it than our welder or me probably. Um, but we're still not going to respond to somebody threatening me or, um, you know, act in that way. And that's, that's totally cool. You can go and do whatever you want. Um, but I also just respond however I think is best. And I think when somebody posts that and half a story and lies that we're not responding to them, um, I don't want you as a customer ever. And, and that's okay. Uh, you go somewhere else, you know, and this sort of led to some internet scuttle about our welding. Well, we originally did the tubeless circumferential welding Uh, we developed it at AAC back over a dozen years ago Um, helped develop the machines that do the welding that everyone uses and I I know Griffin will claim this but um, they're dishonest Uh, we did it we're comfortable with it titanium welding we understand and we understand the discoloration, you know, and we understand what NASA and the aerospace industry do with titanium, and that's for a different use. Um, and still the only way to know you have a good weld is to section them and test them, even when you have, um, the most recommended colors, but the recommended colors for aerospace are for stresses, um, and embrittlement for parts that are used in a different way than than we are, and we've never had a failure with uh, titanium silencer that um, have had the correct weld parameters that we use on a daily basis. Um, and you'll notice all the silencers too, because it was one shift of silencers. They're all the thread mount half and full Nelson silencers that had an issue. Um, you know that was corrected and. Um, not had an issue since. But I think, you know, when we start talking about aerospace and trying to relate all that to firearms, um, you know, we also, aerospace isn't going to be putting dyes in uh, their anodizing that decrease the performance of that. And you see people getting hung up on that. Like we didn't use it in the Honey Badger. I mean, that's why the guns, the colors, you know, kind of the colors of the rainbow. Um, But when it comes to anodizing, that's simple. Don't put dye in there. You also don't see the aircraft industry doing that. Um, When it comes to the welding, the welding, the circumferential welding that we're doing for the titanium now, it's already, you you know, our safety factor is probably already 10 times what we need. Um, So the discoloration isn't important. You know, when you think about, okay, what's important to the silencer? So we're looking at back pressure. We're looking at coatings. Um, so, you know, we PV decode them and you always have to make some kind of sacrifice. Could we make the silencer quieter? Yeah, we could make even the thunder chicken quieter, but then we're going to sacrifice weight and weight is very important to us. We're going to sacrifice some accuracy. Um, We're going to sacrifice some point of impact shift, uh, all of these sorts of things. So we make these decisions every day. Um, We know that the welding is more than adequate for any hard use of our silencers. You know, and we're not some wannabes that uh, pretend to be welding experts that have never been to college and aren't engineers and have never welded anything, but they hire somebody else to come in there and tell them to weld, and who have only sold 100 silencers. So, um, you know, when you've done something, then, you know, post about it. Uh, I appreciate your theories. Um, just doesn't really serve a purpose. Could we be better at welding? We could just focus on that. Could we be better at sound? Yes. You know, we could also do like a lot of these companies enclosure bore up real tight. And if you look at their super hard use silencers that they post cutaways of, they have end cap and baffle strikes on them. You know, we're trying to avoid all these things. Um, could we do a more effective muzzle break than the cherry bomb? Of course we could, but then it's big and it's heavy and then you have to time it and you have to use shims. So now you have some degree of misalignment. Um, all of these issues and all of these things are a compromise. And I think, you know, our products are not for everyone. I think when you look at the Noveski ghetto blaster compared to the honey badger, there's things I like better about the ghetto blaster for certain applications some people want ambi controls some people want that inch longer barrel some people want them painted you know that's another thing you know like you talk about like aerospace you're not going to be unnecessarily painting things Uh, but I understand people that want that that's just not something that we do and for me what I really want is the lightest thing that is practical um, without skeletonizing without cutting corners and that's what we have with the hunting badger and with the fix for that matter um, anyway that was the drive in good morning this is Kevin Brittingham with Q and from the terrible audio and background noise this is obviously the drive in um, so it's a new year same old shit however Innovation is still continuing. But today, you know, it's interesting for me. I take it for granted. This is my 27th year doing this. Well, not this podcast, but firearms and firearms accessories and whatnot. And I forget that silencers are still so new to so many people. And on one hand, that's very sad to me. On the other, obviously, that's very exciting and a wonderful thing. So I forget, like, or take for granted all the things that, you know, the, the guys in the industry have been doing this a long time, and that's not just me, um, but kind of the progression of the industry, where we are, why we're here, what's important, what's not. Um, I love marketing, and what is marketing, and what is necessary, and why we do things the way we do. And I think, you know, I've talked about this stuff a lot, but I think you know every few months we get a lot of new silencer uh, purchasers and people who are interested or don't understand or maybe you have a few silencers but you kind of been isolated and you don't and, and you look online and now you got buddies that have them and you've been exposed to other silencers why you need what you need how you need it um why things exist why we do things the way we do um and i'll say this we have come to a logical place with our design and production that makes sense for me given the current environment and circumstances you got to think when i first got into silencers machine guns had been had just been banned not even a decade before um well geez not even well i guess like five or six years before so And uh, I grew up and lived in Georgia, and so there are a lot of machine guns in Georgia. You know, uh, RPB was there, Hard Times Armory, uh, you know, Cobra SWD, all these companies that manufactured a lot of guns, a lot of machine guns, did conversions, so there's just a lot of them there. And and that probably influenced me quite a bit from the beginning. Um, But people don't realize before we developed 300 blackout 10 years ago, 12 years, whenever it was five, five, six silencers outsold 30 Cal, probably 10 or 20 to one people were putting them on their ARs. Now it's probably a hundred to one 30 caliber over, you know, two, two, three, five, five, six. And some of it's versatility. Some of it is just 300 blackout. Um, just all sorts of things improve manufacturing and materials so your silencers not as heavy so it doesn't make a difference um you know i think my first five five six silencer that i did was maybe 22 or 24 ounces you know of course that's 20 25 years ago 25 years ago so it was quite quite a while back um really big and important things you want a silencer to be quiet enough and I spent over a decade just chasing sound and I see a lot of these new like wannabe sort of going and reading all the wikipedia's uh the people in the industry that are new and they and and they have these little I think like support groups and and meme groups and what they think is actually important but you know these guys that sell 100 silencers a year and God bless them I think everybody should be able to do it but um, you know my goal is to make the best value the best silencers and make them for the masses and that does not mean going like Yankee Hill makes good products that are dirt cheap um, that's not really my market um, there's always some overlap with all of these but that's not kind of who we're going after that that's not who I am it's not who our company is um but I also realized we got lost over the years chasing sound. and sound I've discussed this in previous podcast interview stuff before once I started working heavily with the military and developing military silencers um and you know like surefire advertises their SOCOM silencer like we won 75 percent of that contract at advanced armament um And that's helped Surefire to sell a lot of civilian silencers and kind of tell this, you know, create this this myth of their silencers and stuff. And, you know, I love supporting the military, but it's never been my absolute goal, but it taught me so many things. Um, But I shoot and hunt a lot. And so I also want silencers to be practical for me. And I think you see the differences where we got to with Sig with silencers to where it, with Q where we are and the differences and changes that we made that were vital to the commercial industry in my in my opinion it's funny i hear you know uh, some of these l- little wannabes chirping about making the quietest silencer and you know can ethan and i make the quietest silencers yes we can but you see people that are, are still chasing that now and they'll to cut away, and there's all kinds of end cap strikes and baffle strikes because they run a super tight bore. If you run a real, the tighter bore you run, the quieter you're going to get at the for mill standard. So measuring at the the muzzle of the silencer. But where do we really care? I think for people shooting, practically you want it quiet at shooter's ear. So you know the ejection port. So we learned a lot of that. Um, And that's not an absolute, but I think overall, you want to bias in that direction where it wasn't something I cared about for a long time because we were just chasing magazine articles and comparison and testing, and it was all done mill standard so uh, sound metering was done at the muzzle of the gun, so we wanted the quietest ones. Uh, And then, you know, things have gotten so quiet, like what's quiet enough and what's more important? And the military really turned me on to that. It's not a priority. Um, absolute sound suppression. And then it's really, you know, it wasn't for them, and it's really not overall. Um, And, you know, for instance, we offer the Trash Panda and the Thunder Chicken quickie mount, um, muzzle attachment silencers. um, And the difference is the length and the number of baffles. And the Thunder Chicken is longer. It's a little heavier, still super lightweight, but it's super quiet. And then the Trash Panda is hearing safe on a 16 inch 308 that's why it's the length that it is and it's the lightest thing we could make given that and most compact Um, and compared to most stuff on the market it's super quiet and to people who shoot you know are new to silencers it's super quiet Um, now guys that'll make these 10 inch long silencers with a super tight bore and you know these complex baffles that are very heavy and weak and expensive to make and then you have a $1,500 silencer that weighs, you know, 21, 22 ounces, where we can produce a silencer that's much more affordable, you know, close to half the price, same materials, uh, is, is gonna give you all the durability, incredible sound suppression, um, it'll be more versatile. You have the tapers and you have alignment and the EDM bore, so you don't have to worry about those pesky end cap and baffle strikes. Um, And there, it's just a better all around system because you get something that's lighter weight, more compact, more versatile. It's still incredibly quiet. Um, And so it does everything else better. (laughs) Um, you know, we consciously made this choice because I think there is a sweet spot for you know, we want to create the best value for the consumer and the best overall products. And that's really hard to measure. You know the tapers are super important to me. And I would love for silencers they should there should be they should be threaded on with a tapered shoulder. Uh, we don't need muzzle devices and quick detach, but the industry's just not there yet. So we're doing the thing that is most like that with our cherry bomb, a super lightweight muzzle device, that the silencer is attached to and you can move it from gun to gun very easily. And then you still have a muzzle brake and you know, uh, the thread mounts, you don't have to go to these adapters and, um, you know, you like, I just saw the other day a company got their silencers on sale that built this ginormous thread mount silencer. That's really quiet, but nobody cares and nobody buys them cause they're expensive you get end cap and baffle strikes they're not using tapers correctly and now to try to sell them they're they're making these little adapters that mimic the cherry bomb but it's just actually not a muzzle brake it's just uh an adapter so if you have this you put these on your gun and you can go from an ar-15 to your 30 caliber rifle and it looks ridiculous and it serves no purpose and they're big and heavy and cumbersome and they don't have a true muzzle device, you know, and these are the things you get when you get too hung up in one aspect of a silence or a sound suppression or you just don't have experience or, you know, you just spend your time, you know, in your mom's basement on your computer making memes and uh, rather than developing, going out and shooting and hunting and, and uh, you know, I didn't get in this business to, to make friends and be part of a club. I want to build a business and uh, make the absolute best products that serve the customer. I mean, that's it. And kind of what is best, that evolves over time. Um, Good afternoon. This is Kevin from Q. It's not really the drive in because I'm sitting in my office, Q headquarters. Portsmouth, New Hampshire, not Portsmouth, Portsmouth. So, this is a requested podcast about Form 1 silencers. And I find this subject actually fairly interesting. Um, So I'm going to give my perspective, which is probably incorrect for most of you, but um, entering my 27th year of been involved with NFA, silencers, firearms, owning these companies. Um, I've been testing silencers longer than some of the wannabes have been alive. Uh, here are my views on it. It's basically a science project. And I, I know with the different guys that we have working here and the different personalities, there's value in that and it's intriguing and it's interesting and you, you know it's like you buy a harley and then there's the guys that just ride it and there's the guys that spend you know 10 grand modifying it um if you like to tinker if you like to build things if you're interested in doing R&D a form one silencer can be fun for you if you have spare time I think that is super interesting and should continue, and I love to see that, and I support those guys because occasionally, you know, once a month or something, these guys contact me. However, if you're doing it, thinking you're gonna save money and you can make a silencer just as good, it'd be like winning the lottery. Like, you are completely the luckiest guy in the world, or you're Einstein, or you're a complete fucking idiot. Um, You know, you can drive with your feet, doesn't make it a good idea. You can build your own car, doesn't make it a good idea. Uh, Anybody can make a silencer. I mean, this has been proven by the Griffin sisters. However, if you want to, you know, if your time has no value, Form 1 could be fun. Um, You are not going to make a silencer as good as we did 25 years ago there's just too much that goes into it you just can't do it um with rare rare exception and if you devoted your time and energy into something more productive you could probably earn enough money to buy a hundred silencers that were very good to begin with um So with Form 1, what materials are you going to spec? How are you going to tolerance the thing? How are you going to select baffles? How are you going to weld it? How are you going to do the threads? How are you going to attach it to your firearm? Are you going to use tapers? Um, Are you going to EDM the bore? If you are, how are you going to do that? Um, There's just so much that goes into it, you know? uh, If you're not worried about size and weight, like a rimfire silencer could be fun, or a lot of the different silencers could be fun and entertaining. If you have a machine shop in your garage, I would build silencers. Um, I like to tinker. I'm a relatively smart guy. Uh, I think I could do a pretty decent job. Um, my time also has value, so I would just buy a silencer rather than spend $10,000 of my time trying to make one that's going to be half-assed compared to what we produce. And when I say that, you know, it, it's it's... $25 just costs to PVD the silencers, much less prep uh, and all the other things that go into doing it. So when we PVD a silencer, that's 50 bucks. I EDM a silencer, cut the bore through the silencer so that it's straight after welding, that's $50. Um, you know, I weld a silencer, that's $50. Uh, you know, design, material purchasing. I mean, all the other things, licensing rent. I mean, it's just, it's expensive to do stuff. I know most people that haven't ever owned a business think, oh my God, it's like I made a post today about the honey badger and noobs thinking they can build a honey badger OG for $400. Like you're a fucking moron. Um, but most of these guys that believe that are either dumb or just ignorant or they work for someone. They don't understand that, uh, what it costs to operate a business. You know, I I remember I had a brother-in-law work worked for me once, and I did a lot of ridiculous things for my ex-wife. And employing and supporting her family, it was one of the the numerous things that, you know, uh, you know, being in love with her led me to that, you know, at my age now would never make these mistakes. One was employing her brother-in-law who was a complete utter moron or her brother, my brother-in-law. And he thought if we did $10 million a year in business that I made $10 million. You know, and I had to explain to him, you know, his salary and the rent and all these other things are going to be obvious to most of you. But I think the average guy that posts stuff like this, Like I I love, um, you know, a couple times a week I'll go look around the internet and I see these kinds of posts and I go look at these, the social media of these people. It's all the same thing. It's like all the memers, all the haters, all the, you know, the people that dedicate their lives to making um, social media accounts about me or posting about me. It's like what kind of pathetic little fuck spends a week of his Christmas vacation devoted to researching another man and posting stuff about his personal life. Like, you're pathetic. Um, and you go know, look at their sites. They're the guys that have the um, plum crazy lower receivers and they spend $300 building an AR, and it fires, it functions, and so they think they have something just as good. I got news for you. I don't care what you think, I don't care what you buy, you are not my customer, and you are so ignorant or stupid. I don't want you to have our products. So, we're okay. Now, if you want to do a Form 1, it depends on what caliber you want to do it for. Um, if You could do some pretty interesting things. I, I think where it becomes very difficult Where you can't compete with us is if size and weight and sound performance and accuracy and durability, all these things are an issue. Um, Anybody can make a gun quiet, anybody can make a silencer, like it's very, very simple. But if you want to add the tapers, if you want to make things super quiet, if you want your silencer to not hurt the accuracy of your weapon. these things are difficult, and you can't really do it on your own. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually look up right now, uh, form, one silencers, on Google. Do a Google image here. and I'm gonna look at some of these. Okay, let me click on this. So the first one I see some very simple cones. The cones are too shallow. The silencer is gonna be loud as hell. Um, they have an O ring separating some. Uh, Baffles are going to rattle. They're not going to stay aligned. What tolerance are you holding between the baffles and the tube? What caliber is this for? Um, The thing's going to be loud, and it's heavy, and it's going to be weak because you have about a quarter inch of thread on your rear end caps. You're going to blow that silencer downrange. Oh, the second one. So it's kind of a copy of um, our Prodigy silencer from AAC, which was a monocore slanted baffle design. So that's interesting. But with this one, your blast chamber is big, so you're gonna have a loud first round pop, so that's gonna suck. Um, you've made it to disassemble, but you're not gonna be able to get the tube off once you shoot some and it carbons up because you built it for 22 long rifle and that's super dirty. So you built a disassemblable silencer, you're not gonna be able to disassemble. Um, oh, that's a model of a silencer I designed. Oh, my God. Uh, so, somebody's got some fender washers here. Yeah. Yeah, you can do it. It's not durable. It's not quiet. It's big and heavy. Nice machine work, though. So, this guy's probably a machinist and doesn't really value engineering, which I see that a lot. Go in both directions. Um, oh, God. This is that ridiculous Jimtech Tech monocore where they have these little slanted walls hanging out in space that aren't supported. Yeah, those bend and break. Um Phil Dater's a radiologist. He's not an engineer. Uh He he does not have common sense. Please don't make product based on his designs. Oh, you have set screws and o-rings in this one, Jesus Christ. Um Oh, well, here's a K-baffle design, so fairly sophisticated. You have a big, long rear mount with a lot of threads. That's interesting. That's going to stay in the silencer. You're not going to blow the tube downrange. We're using up a ton of volume, and that thing's heavy because of your rear mount. You're, you have K-baffles. Um, you didn't put a scoop on the front face of the baffle that corresponds with a scoop on the inside of the rear of the cone, so that's going to be loud as fuck. Oh Jesus, Um, what else did we see here? Spray paint, don't spray paint, just bead blast it. Jesus Christ, the spray paint's gonna scratch and burn off. It's not gonna last a week. Bead blast it, let it go. Oh, this is uh, fender washers, that's gonna be loud. Um, You need an angle on there. Well, I'm looking for something that is, oh, well, this one's nice. Okay, so this guy did some good stuff. So I'm looking at one now that's staying, oh, Jesus Christ, it weighs a ton. So it weighs about 26 ounces for a 5.56 five, can. Well, that's double the weight it needs to be. Um, has cone baffles, pretty steep angle, that's good. A downside is they opened up the bore big because they're not getting good alignment, apparently. So that's gonna be loud and offer you a lot of flash. Uh, they also have a very long blast chamber, so that's going to be loud, and that's going to hurt your muzzle flash. The machining is excellent. You have a, a sort of bootleg uh, cherry bomb, but you didn't put a taper on it. Oh yeah, you did. You did a Griffin armament old AAC, where Griffin copied it from the. Um, you have a taper behind the threads and you're running a coarse thread. So you're going to get copper and carbon fouling in there and it's going to stick and you have a long muzzle brake that isn't tapered like, you know, we did at AAC. So you're going to get carbon and copper fouling on that, then not be able to remove the silencer. So you can unscrew it and then use the surefire, uh, manual method of shoot around through it, blow it down range, go pick it up after it's stuck. Um, it's probably fun to make. You're obviously a great machinist. Your knurling is incredible. But Jesus Christ. You know, I don't do my own taxes for a reason. Um, what else do we have here? Well, people are fairly creative. I'll give them that. Um, well, that's a silencer from the bench in my basement or a picture from, of silencers from a bench of my basement with a bunch of cutaways. Uh, oh, well, I do like the idea. Now, this is a 1022 bull barrel that was machined. So this was the AAC 1022 SD that Ethan and I did years ago. And I think his father's the only one that's actually got one. Now, you can machine out simple baffles with that because you only need about whatever, six inches of barrel, and so you can have uh, 10 inches of silencer with a simple baffle it's going to be super quiet for 22. this is a cool design a mistake you made here is it's not tapered it's going to be tough to get the tube off um other than that pretty simple that's like the best looking one i've seen so far um ah well somebody oh this is a oh that's a trick this isn't even real so somebody did a render this it's like a robert silvers render Um, They did a K baffle that is very similar to the uh, element silencer or the dead air silencer where you have a K baffle with a snout on the back of it and a big scoop cut. That's probably going to be pretty quiet. Um, That's an element silencer. And, you know, for the cost of an element silencer, which is still one of the best 22 silencers for sound performance ever developed. And, you know, it's over 10 years old and it's still better than 99% of everything on the market now. I just wouldn't go and build this when I could buy it. Um, oh, People with these mono cores cutting these crazy baffle designs. It's gonna be loud and suck. And But it's fun. If you like to tinker, I think Form 1 is cool. You can do it and um, you can have a lot of fun with it. And you can continue to make new designs, I guess. I'm not sure on the, the legalities of that, honestly. If you throw the old baffles away, you make new ones. I assume you could do that, but you know, don't take my word for it. An ATF, Ooh. um, yeah, and I think material selection depending on w- what caliber you're shooting, um, you know, even for twenty two pistols, aluminum gets a lot of erosion. But if you have an individual baffle system, you can swap out the baffles, and that's pretty cool. Um, you know, as you start to get erosion. And if you can make additional baffles, that's good. Um, It's just a lot of R&D that goes into making a good silencer. Again, you can make a silencer. Can you make a great silencer that performs? Uh, No, you probably can't. Um, You know, can you make a super durable silencer? No, probably not. Um, You know, and with manufacturing, everybody's going to have something that shits the bed, and that's just part of it. But, and, and you know, if your silencer blows down range, just a lot of recoil doesn't generally hurt you. Um, you know, we've blown up so much stuff in R&D that I've experienced about everything there is. Um, you know, what I would ne- what I would say when it comes to anything except twenty two rifles, it's difficult to make it quiet and make it good. Um, it's like anything else. You can go to WebMD, but if you're really sick, man, go to the doctor.